0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of Jeremy Takes on HIT. Uh, today we're talking about a uh, piece uh, uh, I see in healthcaredive.com. I'll put a link to it in the description. Basically, the, the title is Hospital Execs Argue Disruptors Will Skim the Cream and Ignore Community Health. And so basically you have uh, two hospital CEOs or two system CEOs... Uh, the first is from Yale, New Haven Health, and then the other one is from Henry Ford Health, which is I assume out of uh, out of Detroit. Well, it is out of Detroit. I looked it up, so I'm not assuming I actually know. But anyway, uh, we'll get into this in just a bit and talk about my reaction, some of the uh, some of the takeaways from the article and uh, and just generally, what uh, what this could mean, and, and really, it's actually I guess somewhat exciting from the standpoint of just talking about the disruptors of Amazon and and maybe Apple, but or the Berkshire Hathaway um, Amazon consortium that they've created. I forget what it was even called yet, but um, I guess when they actually do something, I'll remember their name. But uh, so stick around, and uh, we'll get into the article in just a minute. Alright, so uh, w- where these folks were, and you know, I think this kind of starts to shed light on where we're going down this path uh, for, not really alarmist, but I think the, your, the, the hospital systems are really starting to pay attention to what's going on here, but uh, these two CEOs, again from Yale New Haven and from Henry Ford Health System, uh, were at the uh, American Hospital Association. Annual meeting, and so what they're what they're talking about is um, people coming into the market only wanting to quote unquote skim the cream off the top. Uh, and so what what's the cream? Uh, we'll we'll define that in a little second. But basically, what they're talking about is skimming the cream is going to hurt undercapitalized hospitals who service mostly um, Medicaid and Medicare. Um, out of these most vulnerable so let's just kind of stop for just a second and and make two statements that are inferred but aren't explicit i i I like to just kind of be out in the open so medicare and medicaid patients are obtain access for services below market value and so therefore private pay patients and people getting outpatient services create a profit margin that subsidize acute care and other services for these medicare and medicaid patients so let's just be uh, real honest about that up front and, uh, and as you hear in this election cycle uh, medicare for all and single payer remember that remember that private pay it, patients that private pay services are subsidizing and providing a an operating margin for healthcare facilities to remain open. <laughs> and then so one of the things that we keep talking about is they're they're calling these companies disruptors. And so think about that. If you're in on the tech side, um I mean, we talk about disruptors a lot if you're on the traditional healthcare side. You know, I think that's kind of a buzzword that's coming around. So, you know, I think we're to the point where we define terms and we use it so much that it really loses its meaning when people are using it. Because, uh, just take this quote right here. So, you've got a former FTC Bureau of Competition director saying that uh, this conversation around disruptors is framed by basic market definitions and whether healthcare entrants will fundamentally change the landscape. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We use words now and don't even understand their meanings anymore. If you don't try to fundamentally change the landscape, then you're not a disruptor. It's like the actual definition of what you are, and how many times do people have to come out into the marketplace or into government or as a patient advocate and say, the way that healthcare the healthcare system works is not sustainable. Lots of people like to say it's broken. I don't think it's broken. I mean, we're we're providing care to a bunch of different people. We don't have a necessarily a good pay model. We don't have a necessarily efficient delivery system. But it's not broken. It's not sustainable. We can't continue to go with our populations the way they are. We can't continue to extend lifetimes the way that we do. We can't continue to have basically the modernization of healthcare and the advances of healthcare care continue to enable some bad lifestyles. We can't go on to enable probably not uh making other life choices that we want to make and and have uh no uh, negative out consequences with that so we're we're these people now that get up at these conferences and make these speeches and get on these articles they they are i don't think they hear what they're saying and and they advocate for things that don't make logical sense. You have two hospital CEOs and a federal bureaucrat talking about how the disruptors coming into the market are going to change the status quo. Well, first off, no shit. And second of all, that's what we want. So, we cannot continue to move along and delay uh, improvement or advancement until we can have this perfect solution we 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 have to continue if we're going to innovate if we're going to disrupt then we're going to have some pluses and minuses some good things and some bad things and we've just got to have some thoughtfulness around it and have some safety nets for the actual patient care side of things It's not that complicated and it's not going to be that hindering. But we don't necessarily have to continue to promote bad businesses, bad business models uh, in order to, in the name of protecting, quote unquote, everyone or the least of these. Because in any normal market, uh, in, in a real capitalistic system, you're going to have innovation happening at the top. And then that innovation gets established and then is put to an economies of scale, which then decreases the cost and gets pushed down into the other levels of the market. It's, it's not complicated and it's not new. I mean, you know, Adam Smith wrote this book in, that people have read in 1776. So, you know, it, it really hasn't been a secret for like 200 and almost 50 years now. So we got to quit pretending that healthcare is this different thing and and, and market forces don't work don't work here. You know, and, and because we're talking about the the CVS and Aetna merger, this company could possibly cut into hospital outpatient revenues. Well, I mean it could. It probably will to a certain extent. So so how's a hospital going to react to that? I mean, you know, that's kind of the thing. Nobody, you know, you know, you're talking about where are, what, are, what is the alternative? Uh, we can no longer wait for hospitals to <laughs> make good decisions and change their procedures because a hospital is an eor of a company. If they made it with this business model yesterday, they're going to try again today. And the only way that they're going to change is if you threaten to put them out of business. And then all of a sudden, they'll get real damn innovative. You know, you got the guy at uh, the the Ford Systems CEO gives uh, Amazon credit for being better at logistics than health systems. So why don't health systems study Amazon? Just like somebody says in the article, they need to try to out Amazon. Amazon. It's not complicated. You have to adapt. It's 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 you know not it's not rocket science. It's not a secret. The same guy says that hospitals are in the bullseye around driving affordability across the country. What I worry about is disruptors who simply want to find a new source of income stream to drive shareholder value, but aren't thinking about overall community health. Well, let me go ahead and take out the hypocrite stick and whack this guy across the head. Because if you go look at their website and go to look at their locations, what you'll see is several standalone EDs. Why do we do that? Um, I don't know. It's probably to find a new in- source of an income stream to drive shareholder value. Well, even if they don't have shareholders, even if they're nonprofit, they're still trying to find new income streams. And they're doing it with a standalone ED, which is by far and away the most expensive way to deliver care to people. And because it's not like they're opening an urgent care. No, it's a standalone ED. The hospital could develop an urgent care. They could do things to make health care more affordable to people that want care where they are. So hospitals developed a model to, and I'm not going to say on purpose hide, but if you look at the pictures of some of these places, they don't really look like an ed to me it looks like a one looks like a pretty good uh storefront so it's and and i'm looking on their website under a location type of emergency room so if this is it really turns out to be an urgent care center then that's fine but that's not what it says you know so what you've got are hospitals masquerading as innovators and what they really do is propagating existing lines of service and charging you so yeah you think you're going into an urgent care for a $75 visit and what you're really going to do is you're going to walk out with a $1,000 bill for an ED visit so yeah hospitals are upset they could they could lose a lot of this cream that they're skimming off the top so I looked up what the company was or had it in the article rather haven is that new amazon jp morgan berkshire hathaway company And again, people are all in pearl clutch mode right now, but I don't see where they've really done anything. And and so what you've got in reality is these hospitals raising the alarm, ringing the bell, trying to get people to be aware. Because let's talk about one other little market manipulator that hospitals are used to having in their tool bag, which I think is pretty much going to go away pretty soon. And if you haven't heard of this, then you need to study up on it. It's called a certificate of need. And so when we talk about consumerism, we talk about free market reforms, we talk about having a lot of things in healthcare care that we do not have today. And when you hear somebody talk about single payer or Medicaid for all, and they talk about how the the free market has failed healthcare, well, we haven't tried free market yet. Because if you have a certificate of need board, or if you have CON laws, in your state, which I imagine all states do, even if, if, if Alabama has it, everybody's got to have it because we don't really innovate at anything ever, then what you're really doing is you're having a collusion of existing market participants, typically hospitals, sit within regulations of the state and decide what the total demand is within an area and artificially manipulate the supply side of that uh, of that healthcare delivery option. So basically within, so let's just use a recent example. I mean, you may not follow Alabama politics. You may not even know who Don Sigelman is, but Alabama had a governor that went to jail, uh, along with Richard Scrucci, who you may have heard of, used to be head of HealthSouth, for taking a bribe or taking money so that uh, Scroogey could be on the CON board, because he was building a huge hospital in Birmingham, and this was before a bunch of the Birmingham hospitals closed, and so he had to get a waiver to build this new hospital. I think he wanted to build like a thousand bed hospital in a rich part of birmingham because all the traditional old hospitals were in old centralized parts of birmingham that were in bad parts of town and people didn't want to use that anymore use those those hospitals and this guy was building some new some new digital quote-unquote digital hospital in the early 2000s partnering with oracle so the long and the short of it is, is that you had two people spend years and years in jail on taxpayer dime because they artificially manipulated the, the board created by government to artificially manipulate the supply side of healthcare beds available for the demand in an area. So you're already talking about hospital system consolidation you already have a lot of supply side dynamics trying to keep prices high by modifying what what competition is within an area and now you've got these same people who feel like they're losing control of these regulated heavily regulated and controlled supply side pieces and this unregulated end Because really the CON board, when I talk about licensed beds in an area, those are inpatient beds. And those are real, that's a kind of a, that's not a profit side of the hospital business. The cream that these folks are talking about is the outpatient side. So you're talking about anything that you go in and have done to you at a facility and you go home that day. So you're talking about endoscopy, which is like colonoscopies. You're talking about uh, ambulatory surgeries. You're talking about all of your radiology exams. You know, all of this stuff that's done at a center. If you end the term of the place that you're going to with center, and it's not medical center, then that's a moneymaker for that hospital or that organization. And what CVS and Etetna are trying to do is create these convenience based retail uh, health care. So the minute clinics, the uh, you know docs in a box, the urgent care, that's traditional stuff that we've seen you know over and over again. But even the telemedicine stuff, or you know, all of this kind of things where you have, a convenience factor of healthcare delivery to you. That's not what hospitals are built on. And really, what you need to think about and what you need to, to start to come to realize and appreciate is that today, in the traditional healthcare fee for service, even in DRG reimbursement model that we have, the acute care hospital is king of healthcare king of healthcare revenue. They've consolidated a lot of their power by employing doctors. They consolidated a heck of a lot of their power when hospitalists came on the scene and took over a lot of the healthcare, a lot of the care for patients while they were in the hospital. And yes, when we say disruptor, the real disruptor is value-based care. The real disruptor is going to be the care, (coughs) excuse me, that happens when you're not in the hospital the real disruptor is going to be when we start monetizing wellness and not illness when we pay people to keep you out of the hospital that is the threat to hospitals that is what the real disruptor is going to be and what these hospital ceos are really concerned about is what there is the fact that they're no longer going to be the 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 people that call the shots so stay stay alert for that think about that as you see articles in uh... out in the web as you hear people at conferences talk about uh... disruption as you hear people talk about you know what are we going to do for this uh... for these people in these safety net programs they're going to come along for the ride There may be a little bit delayed in getting a lot of this new and innovative stuff, but that's that's the way it happens. That's the way it goes. There's a ton of people out there. There's a whole niche market around federally qualified health centers. There's a whole niche market out there for people worried about Medicare and Medicaid. Don't believe this BS about how Amazon didn't care about Medicare and Medicaid. That's the biggest bunch of phooey I've ever heard in my life. Andy Slavitt, that left the Obama administration after creating ACA, and, and for better or worse, you know, I've probably talked enough about that. Has now created his own company, that's out there focused on that marketplace. There, there, there's plenty out there for Medicare and Medicaid. They're going to be all right. Don't let somebody come up there and shed a crocodile tear and think, "Oh, poor, poor, pitiful Medicare and Medicaid. What, what will ever we do?" So they're going to be fine. We don't, have to, we don't have to make everybody in the marketplace account for Medicare and Medicaid. Again, don't, don't let people in the hospital space who are already built to take on all comers try to tell you that you can't have any innovation within a niche of the market Unless you can deal with all the entire patient population, again, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of fooey. It's the whole it's the it's the whole argument around this this single vendor EHR business and why you have so much delay in innovation there, because it, it's more people you know using perfect to be the enemy of better. So, I'm gonna calm down now. I got some feedback the other day that these. Uh, these podcasts get uh, get a little bit fired up at the end more than at the beginning. I tried to be a little bit constant uh, maybe I can keep you awake a little bit while you're while you're listening to it maybe this is not appropriate bedtime uh, um, uh, 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 a good bedtime thing for people to to listen to but uh, I want you to understand the that there are motivations behind what people are saying and don't always buy in. Or it's not even that. Don't buy in. I'm not saying don't, don't, or don't ag- don't agree with what they're saying, or don't believe what they're saying. But I'm just saying, think about what are the motivations behind the people that are saying that. All right. Anyway, thanks for your time. I appreciate it always. Uh, again, let me know if you think this was. Um, this was meaningful, or if this was, if, if this kind of style of me commenting on some of these uh, news articles in the day uh, work for you, if you'd like to hear something different, I, I guess I do take requests, so anyway, hit me up, and uh, uh, as always, um, my time is up, but I certainly do appreciate uh, you for yours.